what's up everybody what's up what's up welcome back welcome back we're on to episode number five this episode's going to be super exciting we have so much going on in this episode because a lot happened in week 10 uh, a lot of excitement going on throughout the league sheed decided to give his own input this week that's going to be fun hayat and i break down uh my team a little bit my strategies he gives it a really scientific breakdown i think you, you guys should really listen to that um well anyways what's up uh, everybody welcome back I'm going to start it off by talking about one person in particular. He's a former quarterback who's been to the Super Bowl. And he's been in the news recently because he doesn't want to be a former quarterback anymore. He wants to be a current quarterback. And that man is Colin Kaepernick. I'm going to preface this by telling you guys that I am not a Lions fan. The Lions are horrible. That franchise from top to bottom has just continually made mistakes. And there's just a culture of losing in that organization. It's time to stop making excuses for them. It's been way too long. For me, I stopped being a fan when they went 0-16, which is horrible. I realize there are more important things in life like fantasy football. What's the point of wasting time and effort supporting a team that has shown clearly throughout that they don't give a fuck about the fans, they don't care? It's just, it's a mentality thing with the Lions. Let's just make this clear first off. Colin Kaepernick does not need the NFL by any means. He's a successful icon off the field. He's an activist. You guys all know what Colin Kaepernick stands for, or I guess you can say kneels for. Um, anyways, so the, the arguments that I've been hearing on the radio, on the news, you know, different podcasts uh, against signing Colin Kaepernick, specifically to the Detroit Lions, is that he's too much of a distraction as a court backup quarterback. Uh, but for the Detroit Lions at this point, Matthew Stafford has a broken back. That dude is probably not coming back anytime soon. And even if he does by then, they would most likely be eliminated. They're currently sitting at 3-5-1. and one. Uh, It's fair to say that they're probably not going to make the playoffs, especially since the NFC is so stacked. Um, but anyways, the, the argument was that he's too much of a distraction as a backup quarterback. The Lions need a backup quarterback. Matthew, or, uh, Colin Kaepernick was a backup for the San Francisco 49ers. And look what happened when he became the starting quarterback. He revolutionized that offense. The Jim Harbaugh, that, that year specifically, those three years, those that was definitely Jim Harbaugh's best job as a head coach. He he has that kind of, you know, old school style, smash mouth uh, style of football, great defense. And the cool thing was with Kaepernick is he gave the 49ers that added spark, that added dimension, that carried them for those three years. Uh, and another argument against signing Kaepernick to the Detroit Lions is that he hasn't played in three years. Uh, well, let's just say the last time he played, he had uh, a, a full season. I think he played 13 games. Uh, he had 17 touchdowns and he had only four interceptions. There's quarterbacks in the NFL right now that have thrown five interceptions in a single half. Don't give me that excuse that he hasn't played in, in three years either because Teddy Bridgewater missed two full seasons, and last season he only played one game. Uh, so he essentially missed three seasons full. And he came in this year, he played five games, and they went 5-0 and with Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, and he looked like an MVP in those five games. It, that, that argument that he hasn't been in the league for, for this time is invalid just because that doesn't matter – it has been shown before that it can be done. Uh, it's not like he suffered a horrific injury like Bridgewater did. Bridgewater tore his ACL, MCL. He had a horrific injury. Colin Kaepernick has been fresh. He hasn't been taking hits for the last three years. He's 
still ready. He's been working out all the time. And you, you always hear about, about this random quarterback getting picked up that is clearly not as good as Kaepernick. Like, for example, the Detroit Lions started Jeff Driscoll. And no disrespect to Jeff Driscoll. He's, uh, he actually played pretty well. In his last season with Cincinnati, he played pretty well, too. But he's not no Colin Kaepernick. He, he's never going to take the Lions anywhere. Like Nathan Peterman, the guy that I talked about who threw five interceptions in one half. Even even quarterbacks like Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky is clearly the, the, the cog that's holding the Chicago Bears back. How are you going to tell me Colin Kaepernick isn't as good as Mitchell Trubisky? And nowadays, teams are looking for athletic quarterbacks. It's not necessarily you're looking for a Michael Vick, somebody that's going to run a 4-3-40. You need a quarterback that has some mobility to them. Look at Lamar Jackson. Quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson, even to a lesser extent, like Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray. It's not necessarily you need a Michael Vick, but you need a quarterback that has mobility. Even quarterback like Daniel Jones can run out of the pocket and make plays. Teams are starting to go away from those lethargic, old, big quarterbacks that all they do is really just dump it down. Adding that dynamicism to your team as a, from the quarterback position completely changes your offense. It completely changes the way teams have to defend you. And the Lions are probably going to lose for the rest of the season anyways. Why not sign an elite-level athlete? Lions need to back up. They, they need to show some integrity because all the excuses that they've been making about signing Colin Kaepernick, all the excuses that I've heard about sign, signing Colin Kaepernick, uh, they just don't make any sense to me. You want to win. You, you want to bring somebody in who's a backup quarterback, which is what you need right now. So it only makes sense you sign somebody that's the best one available. The Lions, like Colin Kaepernick, it just is so perfect. He's going to revolutionize the, the culture of the Lions, just like how he revolutionized the culture of the San Francisco 49ers. He completely took them over, over the top. I'm not saying the Lions are going to all of a sudden become a Super Bowl contender, but they're going to win more than three games out of their first nine. Uh, Colin Kaepernick by himself has more playoff wins in one season than the entire Lions organization has in its entire history in the Super Bowl era. He's a winner. He has a winning record. The Lions don't. Uh, he's better than what you have right now. So I need to stop hearing these excuses. And if the Lions haven't had an ounce of integrity and an ounce of listening to their fans and giving a f about their fans, they would at least, at least be one of the front runners to sign Colin Kaepernick. Anyways. That was my rant. Thank you for listening. Uh, next up is Sheed. He's going to give a weekly breakdown. Uh, he's going to give his weekly breakdown of week 11 coming up. Uh, it's a big week for everybody. Three games left. This is it, guys. This is make or break for your season. Uh, I feel like every anyone that goes one and two going forward is probably going to miss out the playoffs, unless if you're the, one of the top two seeds. But uh, anyways, uh, I'll let Sheed take over. Uh, here you guys are. Thank you. Yo, 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 welcome to week five of the Cave Podcast. I'd like to thank anyone and everyone that has been supporting this, listening to this podcast. I hope you continue to tune in. You'll find a lot of great content and you can continue to learn about our league. Uh, I'll be hosting this segment uh, myself where I'll be talking about the different matchups in the league and giving my choices on who I pick to win. Uh, for those that are not familiar with me, my name is Shahid, a.k.a. She the boss, aka the killers, aka the goat. Yes, it is not the goat, but for me, I think I'm the one and only, and I don't think there'll be another player that can reach up to my standards, so I can give myself the goat title. Um, and 
it just you know my my record and my history speaks for itself so i'm very uh excited to be on this podcast i'm excited to talk about the different matchups and you know i look forward to forward to it and we can dive right into it we'll go up with the matchup of the week who it's uh hayat versus arafat i think this week hayat's gonna have his juice become sour you know it's just that's just the reality uh drew Brees had an off week and you still had Mike Thomas scoring 28. So I can only imagine Drew Brees throwing one or two touchdowns to Mike Thomas, additional with his 10 catches, 100-yard performance. I can see him getting 30 easily. Um, and I can see Arafat, you know, doubling his points from that aspect. He does have Devontae Freeman, who is hurt. But depending on if he gets his back up or not, or he just replaces them with Ronald Jones, who's who he's got on his roster, or Damian Williams. I think he'll have a sufficient fill-in for it, and I don't see that being a weak spot for Arafat. For for Hayat, I mean, he has a good lineup when you look at it on paper. He's got Deshaun Watson, Keenan Allen, Cooper Cup, Barkley's on by right. Ingram's been doing good. George Kittle's been in and out because he's hurt, unfortunately, with that knee injury. So I mean, we'll see how that works out. But again, I still see Arafat pulling this victory out. I say the score would be 130 to 110. Hayat's barely been pulling over 100 some of the weeks. I mean, he projections in this league, they don't mean anything. Because I remember someone was projected 150 against the Killas, which is actually Hayat. Uh, he was projected 140 and I was projected 90 and I still ended up winning that week. So, you know, it just, it just happens that projections, they, yeah, they give you confidence. They get you set up but doesn't guarantee that you're going to win. The next matchup I'll talk about, and I'm not going to spend too much time on this one because I think it's pretty easy for me to select who I'm going to who's going to win this one, but it's Vicky and Khalid, little K. And you know, when you name your team Hope and you have like a prayer sign next to it, you know, that shows you don't have confidence in your team. You know, and 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 with Vicky, you know, he says it, this is the year. Like he's he's going at it with this team that he's confident he's going to win. And I mean, he definitely has the roster. I mean, he's got Tom Brady, Edelman coming back off by. He's got Fournette, Gurley, Waller, right? Samuels was a great pickup for him. Emmanuel Sanders, if, if, uh, if he's not hurt. So, I mean, you know, I think this matchup, obviously it can have an intriguing close matchup if Cooper, uh, Jacobs, Josh Jacobs, and Ezekiel Elliott blow up for Khalid. I don't see that happening, though. I think they, you know, one or two of those players will get locked up. And I can see New England, you know, and their defense stopping the Eagles and, and, and their offense scoring heavily. So I, I give this one to Vicky. I say this one is going to be like a 20-point um, difference where I would say Vicky will put up 130, Khalid will put up 110. To go on to our third matchup, which is a super important matchup, is Tariq versus Sultan. And why are, why are why is this one such an important matchup? Because both teams are at 500. And in our league, the top nine teams are 500 and above. Our top nine teams in the league are 500 and above. And what that means is that you can have one or two wins for these next couple of weeks and you could make the playoffs. And you can have one or two losses and you can fall down to ninth or tenth spot. I mean, this is how tight this league is. This year has been very, very competitive. And this matchup has playoff implications because one's going to fall above 500 and one's going to fall under 500. And depending on how far you fall down the rankings, you could go down to 10th, 
ninth or 10th, as I mentioned. You know, this one, I feel like Sultan has the edge because Tarek, he's been flip-flopping. He's been flip-flopping more than the burgers at Burger King do. You know, at Burger King, you know, when they flip-flop the patties, they do that to keep them broiled and burnt and tasting good. But, you know, the type of flip-flopping that Thotic's been doing, going to Alliance or not, he's, he's shook it on a different level. And I see Patrick Mahomes, you know, coming back. He did great last week. I can see Chris Godwin getting big game. Watkins potentially scoring a touchdown. You know, Thotic has a good team. Don't get me wrong. He has Delvin Cook, Hunter Henry, you know. Diggs has been missing past couple of weeks after he had a couple of very strong weeks. Uh, but, you know, he, Sultan has Kelsey as well. If he can just pick up a, a good kicker and maybe change up his defense, I think I think Sultan will take this. And, I mean, it won't be like a blowout. I won't say that. But I could see this being like 120-115 type game. And Sultan's been having these close games where he pulled out a one-point win. He barely lost this past week to Monday Night Football where he lost on the last drive where Tevin Coleman got a couple of catches. But I, like I said, I can see Sultan, you know, with Mahomes on a Monday night just coming through and taking this victory. The next matchup we'll talk about is Aus and Sani. And, you know, Aus, he traded away his running backs. He made the infamous trade to Sani where he got Mike Evans and Mark Andrews for... Um, David Johnson, and David Johnson's been such a disappointment. I mean, there's no other week where Sonny could get redemption than this week if David Johnson comes back to life. It's sad to see that David Johnson got benched for Kenyon Drake, you know, because where they traded for Kenyon Drake and, and David Johnson's been a top fantasy running back. But the thing is, I see Aus having, you know, where Mike Evans might have like a 30 or 40 point game pulling this victory out. You know, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones came back last week after their bye and they beat New Orleans and they didn't score a lot of points, but I could see them scoring a lot of points against Carolina potentially, uh, you know, and just keeping that confidence going. The thing is, Sonny does have some good matchups with Kamara. You know, he has Gallup. He has Sutton, who's been a surprise, but I can see where else might pull this victory out where he has Kareem Hunt back. David Montgomery has been consistent. He might not be getting 30 every week, but he's been doing good enough. And I can see Aus pulling this one out by a few points. This, again, is going to be another one of those close matchups. I would say Aus would win this 110 to Sonny having 90. 110 to 90, around that, that, that range. I mean, it could even be closer, 110 to 100. But, you know, Sonny, he's just, unfortunately, he's not been scoring a lot. He's not been scoring a lot, and that's why I don't have confidence in him to keep scoring. The next matchup we'll talk about is Doe versus Osman. And this is one of those matchups similar to Vicky and Khalid, Little K, that I don't think that you need much time to kind of analyze this. Osman's just been putting up around 140 to 150 every week. He's been killing it, and I see him doing this the same this week. Doe has Russell Wilson on by. You know, it's just, it's not... It's not a good time for him to have Wilson on by. And with Hooper potentially out and injured the best, one of the best tight ends fantasy-wise in this league, it's going to be tough. So I can see Osman continuing his number one standing in this league and continuing to win and just, you know, just tightening up the 
closing up his first round bye. That's all I see Usman doing, and, and I think that's going to be easy. And then the last matchup I'll talk about, which I think is going to be another close matchup, is myself versus Bear. I mean, this is the matchup of the two Bears going against each other. You know, me and, and, and Ali Shahid, who, who we call Bear, you know, we, we reunited at camp, I think it was like eight or nine years ago. You know, we hugged it out. But in fantasy, there's no hugs, right? You just you just go to competition and, and you make sure the best man wins. And sometimes even if you're not the best man, you still try to win. So I think on this matchup, I see myself having the edge, uh, to be honest. I got Sanu coming back. Kirk did great last week. He's versus San Francisco, which I am concerned about. But I still got Chubb. I got Mark Andrews, who I think was a great pickup. And if Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't show up, Le'Veon Bell doesn't do much, Robert Woods stays, you know, locked up because Goff doesn't seem like he can throw to anyone these days, then I think I have a pretty good chance. You know, it, it's it's always these are always tough matchups, but I think I have a pretty good edge. Again, I say this one's gonna be a close one. I would say around one fifteen to one oh eight. Similar to what we're projected, I think I think that will be that will be uh, the final score. But I think that will keep me propelled to to get get over five hundred. You know, I started off hot this year, uh, but then it's just it's just my team's kind of been cold. But you know, these are a lot of fun matchups, a lot of interesting things going on in this league, and I think that we have a lot of great um, great great uh, games coming up. We have a lot of great games coming up in these upcoming final weeks, and I look forward to seeing what's going to happen. I still think that the the strong managers will distance themselves from the ones that are average. You know, you always have people making last-minute moves or pickups um, because our trading deadline's gone that they'll do that. But, you know... It's just you gotta have confidence, man. This is this is what fantasy is about. You you having confidence in your team, you taking the risks, and you're willing to make moves. We've had a lot of managers, you know, in this league that they get hesitant to make moves, and and then they start hating on the trades that do happen with others. But the issue is is when you don't make moves in in these leagues, and your player gets hurt, or you don't have backup, you don't have someone sufficient, or maybe you have two great tight ends, and you just held on to them too long you know, and made the wrong move, then then you put your team in jeopardy. You have to be, you know, you have to be aggressive. You have to be willing to take risks to do great. And I think, you know, that's what makes some managers stand out from others. Uh, and I look forward to this upcoming week. I look forward to the rest of the season. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I hope this was beneficial uh, for the rest of, rest of uh, the league and everyone that was listening. And I look forward to coming back on. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. All right, guys. So this week, we're going to do something a little bit new. Um, I don't know if this is going to be a consistent thing or not, but this past week, I called out Alice in our fantasy league for being a bit overrated over the past couple of years. <laughs> He's known to be hanging his hat on a championship that he won seven years ago now. Uh, it's, it's been a while. A while. <laughs> okay. So I called him out, and... So I figured, you know what, why not further explain myself over the podcast, give Aus a chance to to respond to the call out, and then also just break him down as as a general fantasy manager. And I'll tell you why, though. Aus is one of the most interesting yet confusing <laughs> managers in the league. I think I can I I, <laughs> I think I can actually confidently say that 
Um, knowing that I think the other 11 or I guess 10 guys in the league would agree with me on that. <laughs> so hella confusing and extremely interesting though. Very unpredictable at times with his moves. All right. So I'm going to break this down now. So in fantasy, there are essentially three ways to improve or I guess destruct your team. Um, it's either through the draft, free agency pickups, or trades, mm-hmm. right? Those are yep. the three pathways. Yep. Sounds about right. Okay, so Aus, overall, you have been known as a guy. Like, your reputation and strategy that you take pride in regularly has always been about high risk, high reward, mm-hmm. yeah. right? You're willing to take move. You're willing to take moves that no one else will, and at times you've been rewarded, and at times it's been to to my detriment. Your demise, yep. exactly. So, okay. So here he okay. okay so I, I want to first. <laughs> so I want to break down. I want to break down a couple of things here. So keep those things in mind. I also, you know, conceptually high risk, high reward guy. Three areas of moves to be made. Right. Okay, so now before we come back to this, I do want to break down Alice's performance over the past seven years. So we started keeping record of the league in terms of standings each year seven years ago, um, which was exactly the first year that yep. Alice won the championship. 2012. So if we're yep. right, so essentially we keep these records for all time standings. Um, so for example, if you're a champion, you get 12 points. If you are second place, you get five points. Um, and then I think it's, you know, plus two down from third place to sixth place. And then if you don't make playoffs, which is seventh place and under, you essentially get negative points. And last place gets deducted even heavier. A very under- so just overall structure. concept. It's a very underrated structure. Right. So, so with this being said, Aus actually ranks just ahead of me, actually. One spot ahead of me. Um, and he is the lowest ranked out of everyone who does have a championship. Okay, so he has been called out repeatedly, oftentimes by saying, hey, you won a championship long, a long time ago. And I said, if you factor that championship out, Aus actually averages out to a plus one overall, uh, like overall points, points over the course of the last six years. So factoring out that seventh year where he won the championship, that basically puts you in that sixth place spot every year. Mm-hmm. Anything to respond to that? Okay. So I, before I deconstruct that, uh, if you take out my points from that year, you'd also have to take out everybody's points from that year too. For example, Tarek made it to the final that year. So I did that. You're right. So I did that. So I actually deducted my points from the year that I went to the finals. Right. Took that out, right? I think six points or whatever it was. I took that out. And I looked at the alignment between me and you, and I actually come ahead of you fairly significantly. Oof. <laughs> Tarek, you can't mess with that because Tarek. he's had four trips to the finals. Right, right. And he's ahead also. But Tarek's one championship came against the cupcake. <laughs> Am I right? Okay, fair. I mean, fair, fair, fair. To be honest, though, Loki, I've had a very cupcake schedule this year. Um, and I'm totally okay with it. Um, <laughs> just play against whoever's against you. 
exactly exactly okay so now but so i took a deep so this is this is what i was going off of when i called you out now you brought up a great point in the chat you said that over the past three years though two out of the three years you were a top seed walking into playoffs right you were yep. first or second seed which is true that is the major problem i think those moves paid off for you but they obviously did it i mean you got eliminated first First round both years. You got eliminated the first first round both years. Exactly. Yep. Semifinals. So it's like, uh, okay, that kind of mm-hmm. was all for nothing. Mm-hmm. So both okay. of the, both of those years that it happened, it, like my like yeah. for example, my team has been boomer bust, and both those years they busted in the playoffs in my first. Exactly. Uh, and, yeah. So. Yep. Honestly, every time I look back at it, I'm like, okay, I would rather have just played in the first round and lost in the first round, or or try to make it go one and one and win the first game and lose in the semifinals. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's true. And you know what? And that's what after I looked a little bit deeper into your performance. And frankly, your the way you place every year is actually, actually mirrors your strategy, boom or bust. Because there's years where you don't make the playoffs. Right. Which is which is honestly, I would say I think you're the only one out of the top five, six fantasy players. I'd say the top five, six generally always make the playoffs. You're the one guy, though, that's still in that mix mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily consistently make the playoffs. But again, mirroring your overall strategy of right. boom or bust, high right. risk, high reward. The, the one, so, so some interesting alignments there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the one right. year that in between that I busted uh, my players that – I mean, it's I picked the players. I picked Zeke, uh, and he, he lost his uh, – he got a suspension. I was, I think I was like, what, six and four up in that point. And then he lost, uh, he yeah. lost his appeal. That made me lose. I also didn't have a first round pick that year. It was, it was Carolina Panthers. Which was also because of your own fault. Because it was, yeah, exactly. I, I, I believed in my team from the year before and I made a bet and it didn't work out and I lost my first round pick. It's all my fault, but yeah. I believed in my team. I, I thought they were going to boom and it busted all in my face because there's only one winner every year. Yeah. There's only one champion. Hey. You're right. I mean, you're right. You're right. And and you know what? Like, I mean, again, I think the I think you start to see this pattern over the past seven years. Just this accumulation of points that we keep keep track of now mm-hmm. is actually mirroring all, all our overall strategies. For example, with mine, I'm much more conservative than, than you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm in the playoffs every year. Yep. Right. Yep. So you see my points accumulate in that fashion, but. I've yet to get over the top because I don't have the, I, I haven't had the explosiveness to push me over the hill um, because I am at times too conservative. Yep. So, I mean, that was after, that was after the call out of the debate. I, I, I looked into this data a little bit deeper and, and, and I mean, it's pretty interesting how those alignments actually d- mimic the, uh, the overall strategy. Yeah. Okay. So now, so now, okay. So let's break down, let's break you down as a manager. Okay. And okay. So we, we earlier, we, we, we went, we went ahead and categorized the three ways to make moves, draft, free agency, pick up trades, Mm -hmm. right? You have the overall concept of high risk, high reward. And now you typically use that strategy on all three facets, right? In a draft, you (laughs) typically reach for a guy that no one else would. For example, this year, David Montgomery in the third round, mm-hmm. which, to be fair, you probably wouldn't have gotten him in the fourth round, just where you were yeah. in the third round. In, in the third I round. get it. Also, partially because you were doing I think you did market him a little too much early yeah. on. I think people caught on and wanted to take him. But hindsight, 
crowded backfield, probably a sixth, seventh round pick. Anyways, yeah. that's kind of t- typically you reach Baker, you reached, um, and I, and I and I can and I mean I can say that you do that just about every year, right? I mean, I want to pick up okay. the guys that I like that I think are going to perform. I was fooled by Baker Mayfield this year. I, I thought they were yeah. powered offense. Uh, it just hasn't been up to it. Uh, Montgomery, uh, that that was a bad pick. Uh, it wasn't a bad pick up until. Uh, it was a bad pick up until the two weeks that he blew up, but it still it doesn't justify a third-round pick. Uh, the One strategy yeah. I like personally is going after players that are suspended. Uh, for example, last year I went yes. Julian Edelman. That worked out for me. That was, He had his four games, but I drafted him, what, in the eighth, ninth round? He he came out and killed it uh, after his suspension. I say that because yeah, – That's the classic out strategy. Yeah. Yep, exactly. I, I Like, uh, who, who did I have this year? Uh, Kareem Hunt. Uh, We'll see what the what he does. He his first game he had seven receptions, played well. Uh, but that, that's yeah. my strategy. Yeah, I mean, t- I mean, I get it, right? Because the idea for you is, is that you're reaching on a guy that no one else is willing to take at that round because of uh, the lack of games because they're suspended. Mm-hmm. But you know that the production is still going to be there once they do come on the field. So you're you're willing to pay the premium price, right? And I took a page out of your book, actually, with Golden Tate this year. Oh yeah, I see that. He's paying. He's paying dividends. Exactly. Right exactly. So yeah. <laughs> One thing that I that bit me big time was holdout last year. That dumb trade. That's this is another boomer bust trade that I made for Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I I should have seen it, but that, that that's another boomer bust. But like that screwed me. I'm so done with uh, holdout players, especially like look at Melvin Gordon. He's not back to 100. percent Yeah. Yeah. True. It's it's so much different. Okay, so, so overall, overall, I would give you like a solid B on overall drafts. I think you come around 50-50. Some you you know sometimes you hit on the move, sometimes you don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times you don't. <laughs> so I would give you a solid B on it, right? So you kind of come out. To be honest, you kind of come out the same as a lot of people do, even with your risk taking strategy. Now. Free agency pickup, I'm going to go ahead and say this is your biggest strength. I think you're one of the best in the league at it. Oh. You're a great week-to-week manager. I think you take – you are willing to take high risks based on matchups or whatever variables you used to evaluate week-to-week. So you're not afraid to bench a guy who might be a fairly big name um, and start a guy who's not um, and end up with more points. So that is where I think you genuinely – are one of the best in the league, historically speaking. Okay. Now, trading. I I think this is your worst facet. Okay. Out of the three. Okay, so out of the draft, free agents pick up, and trading. I think trading is actually your worst. Now, you have had some really good trades. For example, the Sani trade. Right. right? The infamous Sani trade this year. Infamous. Um, what was it? Mike Evans for... David Johnson plus uh, Chase Edmonds, right? Yep. And then, I mean, there's another guy Mike involved Gallup. in both. Yeah. Right. You sent them Gallup and you got back Mac, Mar- uh, Mark Andrews as well. Right, right. So, okay. That trade, though, the reason why you were successful was not because of your overall strategy of risk-taking. That was you just out-hustling everyone else in the league. You kind of staying on Sonny, waiting for him to break emotionally. <laughs> So once he does break emotionally, you are one of the first people he texts and involves in a trade. So you're kind of you're you're essentially your first contact, right? Mm-hmm. And you're sticking with it, and you break him, and you get the guy you want. That is not 
So that is a completely different strategy. And that's why I think you won that trade. Right. But majority of the other trade, you also, you, you, you use that strategy of risk-taking. And I think that's where you lose. Mm-hmm. Because when it comes to trading, going off a risk-based strategy, it doesn't, it's actually, the risk actually doubles because you're giving up quality guys as well. Wow. To get guys who may, who may possibly do better, right? Free agency pickup, you, you can manage week to week and take risks because you're not actually giving up a quality guy. You're just cycling through a couple of guys on the bench that are probably mediocre and you're cycling through them. Same thing with the draft. You're not, I mean, a little more high risk than free agency, which is why, again, I think I rate you at that B. I think I, I rate you below free agency, but above trade. But you're still giving up a guy. You might be passing up on a guy, but it's still not the same level of risk that a general trade involves. Man, so it's, it's all about my trades, huh? It is all about, the, well, it's all about, it's about tinkering your risk level in each facet. Right, right. I think in free agency, you go gung-ho with the risk. I think you tailor it back a little. I think draft, I mean, you can kind of continue on with your strategy. I think it's fine. But I think it's trades where your risk goes overboard because a trade in general inherently already has a higher risk involved in it. Absolutely. It's, it's okay, scary so now, to make a trade sometimes. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. It's, it's so scary to make a trade sometimes. I've been offered so many trades and like – Sometimes I don't know what it is. Just I want to trade away a guy because I I see like he has four straight games that are bad, and that that really sometimes it pushes me to do the trade. Um, yes, and see, and that's where I think that's where you trip up. Right, right. That's that's what happened to me this now, week. I should have waited one week on Mark Andrews, man. That that's what messed me up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I obviously I really like DK DK Metcalf. I made that well known when um, when. Khaled freaking traded him away for Jared Cook. But, I mean, he is not um, – who did you trade? I forgot. It was Mark Andrews and uh, it was David Montgomery. No, no, Ty Montgomery. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I feel better, actually. I, th- I-, I thought it was David Montgomery. Oh, no, hell no. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Oh my, that's why I was like, bro, what in the world? Are you serious? <laughs> I'm dead serious. Yeah, hell no, bro. Serious. Not David Buck. I started him this week. Oh, my goodness. Okay, okay. That makes me feel way better. <laughs> so you just had both Montgomery stashed on your team? Like uh, Ty Montgomery from the Jets. From the Jets. I just picked him up randomly. Uh, I was going to drop him. I just said, take it. Just I'm, Either you drop him, either I drop him or you pick him up. Yeah, I still, okay, okay. That makes me feel better. Although I still think you should have kept Andrew just because your <laughs> team. I could use that balance. You got right. Mike Evans and Julio at the wide receiver position. Right. So I think you could use that balance. You know when I realized I messed up? When I realized uh, Sheed essentially traded Jared Cook for Mark Andrews. Yes. That, that's that's when I realized. <laughs> and okay. The- so now so now let me let me actually let me so I actually genuinely do think that okay. Okay, in decision making, in fantasy playing, in any of those three facets that you go that you make a move, every player essentially deals with two things, right? One is theoretical and knowledge base of like theory of fantasy and knowledge base, right? That's one category. Right. The second category is practical decision making. Right? So you can have a bunch of knowledge and then you actually have to make a decision based off of it, and that equals a move. Okay. Yep. I'm, I'm so that's the equation of making a move. Okay. So now I think 
you are probably top two in just fantasy theory and knowledge base. I would say Tarek is probably number one. I can agree. You're probably at the number two. I don't know. You're probably at number two. I'll, I'll take top three. I would, yeah. Okay, okay, fine. Top three. <laughs> top three. I think it's between you, T, you Tarek, and Sheed. Between you three. Uh, that's a compliment. Um, I think Sheed, I think Sheed actually even, I actually think Sheed is actually, I would put you over Sheed in the theoretical side. Okay? Now, I'm going to keep you three because I think all three of you are a great comparison in an aspect of this. Okay? So, Ooh. now I'm just going to rank this from the two categories. So, the fantasy theory and knowledge, I think Tarek goes one. House your second, Sheed goes third. Okay. Okay. Practical decision making. I think it goes Sheed number one, Targ number two, you number three. Oh. Sheed, the reason from why I understand and why I think he has been the GOAT and has had such success over and over again is he does a great job of balancing that fantasy knowledge and theory and the practical decision making. Yeah, that, that's a very good good way to put it for Sheed. And and and, and again, where that that fantasy theory and practice and fantasy theory and knowledge is where the risk actually comes from, right? The, the ability to take risks. You know a little bit more. You know a little deeper. You you have a couple more variables that other people don't have to evaluate a player, and and have a better assessment of whether they're going to be blow up over the course of the season or not, right? All right. So I think Sheed does have that ability. Um, but he 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 um, he translates that into a very good decision making process as well. He filters it down through a good decision making process. Absolutely. Tarek, second in practicality, but first in theory, he does tend to overthink at times, and I think that is where Sheed out edges him. Is that I think Tarek can spin his wheels a bit too much <laughs> on certain guys and certain theories, fantasy theories that haven't brought him the same success as Sheed. Okay. Okay. You, on the other hand, I think you're the lowest on the practicality aspect. And that is what keeps you from filtering down your risk base, your, your risk strategy. Okay. Now, let me just give you a couple examples. Tarek, he is a boomer buzz guy. He does take risks. But in the three facets of making moves, he implements a different strategy. You'll notice in trades, he's extremely conservative. Mm. He's not going to make the trade unless he genuinely feels like he is winning outright on paper, even aside from the possibility of that player potentially blowing up. Right. So he's very conservative when it comes to trading, but he is high risk when it comes to free agency pickups and high risk, a little less than free agency, but decently high risk when it comes to drafts. So I think for you to get over the hill, you need to kind of vary the level of risk you take in those three facets. So right now you're going at the same, you, you kind of have a brick on the accelerator in all three facets. Mm -hmm. I think you need to take it off a little bit on the trades. Oh yeah. And try to actually win on paper a bit more. Oh yeah. Well, well it's, it's been such a great season, man. Uh, I'm, like it's so close. And these trades, like even this minute trade that I, that I made is going to have such a big impact on my team. Yeah. I don't think you, I'm going to be honest. I don't think you're making playoffs this year. It's close, man. I know I'm stressing. I'm I feel a lot worse now than I felt two weeks ago. Because I honestly think, 
I think that one trade, the Mike Evans trade, that was put gave you a shot. Mm-hmm. Is giving you a shot is giving you a lifeline because without that, I do think you would have you'd be I would be with you'd be sinking. Yeah, right, right. You'd be sinking. I think you gave yourself a lifeline with that. But man, I don't. I'm gonna be honest. So this is my this is my I guess hot take or whatever prediction. Uh, I actually don't think you're gonna put you're gonna get it over the hill this year. Mm. So we will see. But overall, dude, I still think you're a great fantasy player. Hell yeah. Um, I think you could make a little bit of adjustments to get you over the top. And that's my opinion of how you can do that and just overall assessment Appreciate of your managing skills. Appreciate it. It was really well done, man. And uh, you laid off the gas on me, man. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I came in hot last week. But, yo, I took, I took a better – I took a better look under the hood, and then I came out with some positives. So hell yeah, we'll be close, man. I, I look my next this week. I'm playing Sonny. Hopefully, hopefully I can pull this win out, man. If I don't win this week, I I don't deserve to make the playoffs, uh, especially. Yeah, oh, man, Sonny. Yeah. Yeah, especially with his tight end being out. Uh, <laughs> not not just the tight end, but just uh, David Johnson might not play. Um, yeah, yep. I have to. Win. Bro, David Johnson might be benched even if he does. Play. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Week twelve though, I have some great matchups in week twelve. I'm I'm excited about that. I know, but I think you're at a position where you have to win out all three now, right? Uh, I'm five and five. You're five. Okay, so yeah. you got to win two out. I got to win two. Got to go three. two and one. Yeah, and I play Bear in the final week, who's been the thorn. So I don't know if I lose. If I, uh, I, yeah, I'm a little worried about Bear. Three. I play him. Go ahead. What was that? You broke up. Uh, if I lose two out of the next three, I don't deserve to make the playoffs. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we're all in that same mm-hmm. same uh, situation right yeah. now. So, all right. All right, brother. That was it. Hell yeah. That's a wrap. Yeah. All right, fellas. That's a wrap. That is my assessment on Aus. Um, I do think he is one of the better fantasy players historically in our league, um, although some things, sometimes things don't always go his way. But overall, dude is fairly exceptional. Um, and if you guys like this, we can continue on doing these assessments of each fantasy player in the league. Um, I know I enjoy breaking this down. I have a good time understanding how everyone approaches their fantasy seasons and how they go about managing. Um, so tune in next week. Yeah. Peace. Peace. La, 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 la.